2: Welcome to the second episode of This Is How You Do It, the new mashup series from The Guilty Feminist and Media Storm. We celebrate the marvellous, if slightly masochistic, can I say that? people working to make the mainstream media a little bit better. I'm Matilda Mallinson.
0: And I'm Helena Wadia, and we're the hosts of MediaStorm, the podcast that hands the mic to the people with lived experience and calls out what the mainstream media could be doing better to report on marginalised groups. Our guest this week is the award-winning journalist and activist who founded The Unwritten, a publication for people with disabilities to share their stories without them being reduced to trauma or inspiration. Well, just last week, she collaborated with The Daily Mirror to edit a fantastic series centering people with disabilities. You can still catch her Disabled Britain series on The Mirror online, which launched with an investigation into the thousands of deaths linked to government failure to act on proven failures with its disability benefits system. Please welcome
2: bit of crescendo, Rachel Charlton Daly. Hello, Rachel. Hi. Thank you so much, <laughs> Rachel. You're tuning in this week from the northeast of England, which means you can't physically join us for what we like to be our glass of ice cold weekday wine
0: or rhubarb juice.
2: Sorry, or rhubarb juice. This show is basically just a front for. Heat wave refreshments H- how are you
3: how are you handling the heat I'm handling the heat really well yesterday I was not handling the heat really well because I've got a chronic illness called um lupus which is triggered by heat and uh heat and sun so usually when the heat when the heat hits I just sort of go no I need to lie down
2: cuz you actually have an excuse to do that I do that with absolutely no excuse
3: I I have a um, I have a get out of jail free card when it comes to the heat and sun so when people start going, oh, typical
0: British people, I go, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: actually, you're pathetic. I'm not pathetic.
0: <laughs> also, I have to ask, are you drinking a hot drink? No, it's, it's
3: iced coffee. It's iced okay. coffee. I swear, uh... I swear it's iced. It looks like a hot drink, but it's iced coffee.
0: I was about to say, that's incredible.
3: <laughs> I always thought iced coffee was like this miracle sort of thing that was really hard to make. But basically, all you do is just put milk, cold milk, in instead of hot milk. It's not that hard to make. Like they make, yeah. they make it sound like it's really like amazing and stuff when you go and get it in when you go and get it in a coffee shop. But literally, all you do is put some ice in and pour and pour cold milk in. I'm like, been I've, by the I've been paying four pounds fifty a time for this. So you well, can't. exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. Look, we 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 do love talking about iced coffee, but obviously, we're not here to talk about iced coffee. Although, maybe side note. Ice coffee podcast just write that down but um, Rachel your recent series Disabled Britain has fronted the mirror over the past week and it's got investigations and features about disability that break from mainstream news norms in a whole host of ways um What was the thinking behind the series and how did you manage to get it in such a major publication?
3: Well, The Mirror actually came to me, which was the most amazing part of it. They said they were interested in doing a sort of series, but I don't think it was as big a conception as what I turned it into. And they were actually just asking for writers in the early stages. But I, being as cheeky as I am, went, well, if you're going to do this right, surely you want someone who has the experience, who can source the right sort of writers, who will be able to sense check everything and be able to make sure that you're not going to turn things into trauma. So what you really need is an experienced disabled editor, someone like me. Brainwave. And next thing I knew I was hired by the Daily Mirror to host this whole uh, to do this whole thing and it's just been an absolute whirlwind and we never anticipated just how big this was going to be. Like, I knew from my own experience how much I needed it, but I never realised how much the community needed
2: it. Mm, The feedback we've seen has been incredible. God, I've been approaching freelance journalism wrong. Instead of pitching stories, I should just be pitching me. (laughs) Shut up,
3: man. (laughs) Honestly, I I I think it comes a lot with... A lot with, because a lot from the fact that I'm just, the, there's a saying, there's a saying up north that uh, shybans getting out and this is something that I've definitely taken on as my own personal philosophy and I think if I don't, if you don't ask, you're not going to get it, you know.
2: It's exactly why we need people like you in the editorial room. At the same time, I don't want to
3: play the Daily Mirror down. They listen to me in absolutely every aspect changing headlines that I thought didn't fit what we were trying to do because obviously you've got to draw readers in with headlines and stuff but I never wanted headlines to seem clickbaity or traumatic or anything like that we made sure we only had the right writers and even if they were celebrities and stuff we didn't want their stories to be to be I'm disabled and it doesn't stop me and that sort of thing we didn't want those sort of stories just every single aspect the Daily Mirror listened to us, like even up until the name, like there, were, there was parts where we, were using, where we were still using language like uh, people with disabilities and stuff like that, where disabled people don't really like the term people with disabilities because it takes away uh, our personhood, you know. It's just how much they listen to me and I just never expected it because I've never experienced that as a disabled person. And wow, it's just like that I've, says a lot. I've, I've, I've worked I've worked in this industry for five, six years and I've never experienced that as a disabled writer. I've worked for so many, so many publications who've used who've used my trauma for their own clickbait and it's just never it's been amazing, like, to work with them.
2: Something something that felt really different to me about your Disabled Britain series to other mainstream coverage of disability I've seen was the imagery. We love the imagery you used, me, from a style perspective, mostly. But what was the kind of picture that you were trying to paint and who were the photographers that you trusted to deliver this? So
3: one of the main photographers on the series was a really good friend of mine, uh, Shona Cobb, and she is a disabled photographer herself and that was really important to us we wanted like as i said we wanted everyone where possible to be disabled we didn't want the images to be of disabled people looking sad and disabled and and sick kiddies and and super inspirational photos of like of disabled kids running marathons and stuff like that we wanted them to be real people we wanted them to be real people living their lives and you know disabled people disabled women especially are fashionable people we are people who look we are people who who are happy and comfortable in our skin so when we had uh when we had it a- when we had amy walking around the streets with ava we had her in a gorgeous dress and we had ava in a lovely bow tie and when we had hannah bar- dr hannah bar and brown we had her in a dungarees so that uh until i realized that were in the paper had vulvas all over
1: them <laughs> 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 i was
3: like I've just gotten vulva dungarees in the Daily Mirror.
2: You're like, oh, hey, Mirror, we're going to smash some barriers with this great Disabled Britain series. P.S., there's some secret vulvas in there too. That's one of your greatest achievements to date. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you know, um, presumably many of the issues that you just described in terms of what the coverage is usually like, presumably a lot of those issues you described lie behind your decision to create the unwritten. How did you come to, to found that publication?
3: I've been working in the media for five, six years now, and I I always found it hard to get stories published that were specifically about disability that weren't heavily relying on trauma or weren't heavily relying on inspiration. And when I was, they were still edited to include, Can You Tell Us How It Made You Feel?, And things like that. And it it was when it was when my feelings weren't relevant that that I was being asked to include my feelings and like being asked like really inappropriate questions, like like how it affected my family and stuff like that. And I was like, I I was just getting sick of of having to mine my own trauma. And then, of course, the pandemic happened and that was an especially awful time for disabled and vulnerable people because... It was a time when, you know, we we were being shut inside our houses, disabled people were, were, getting, were getting really sick, we were dying at a disproportionate rate. And I was finding it harder and harder. And it wasn't just me, it was a lot of my disabled freelance uh, writing friends were finding it harder and harder to get our stories published. We were being told, oh, we've already had a story on that. This doesn't apply to the wider public. And I'm like, six out of 10 deaths are disabled people. Why are you not, why is this not front page news on every single newspaper? So I was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier that I couldn't write this and that, that nobody wanted me to write this. And I've got my best friend to owe for this. Uh, my best friend, I think she got sick of me one day and she went, right, why don't you just start your own publication? <laughs> and I don't think she ever expected me to be serious. And I went, OK, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. The response was absolutely huge. And um, it's all just gone from there, really. The biggest thing that we wanted to do was pay writers. So we crowdfunded as much as we could because far too much disabled people are expected to tell their stories and not paid for it. And, yeah, we launched in November 2020. And since then, we've we've just gone from strength to strength and it just keeps getting bigger and better. And I don't know where we're going to go from there. but. I, I'm really excited to see where we go <laughs> I get really emotional every time I talk about it because <laughs> I love it so much it just means so much to me you know like the, the disabled community means so much and all I ever want to do is just give disabled people a voice because we're so voiceless in all of this
0: yeah and I'm sure it means so much to the people who read it as well
2: We we do this little game on 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 this is how you do it. I say we do it. This is episode 2. So pretty much <laughs> traditions being made as we speak. But but you know, we we we're calling it the genie game. You get a you get a genie giving you one wish. With what you would change about the mainstream media, but I really feel like you almost don't need it. You're just your own genie. You're just oh, doing. You're just doing, the, you're just doing okay. whatever you dream. You're making it a reality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> to spare you some of the legwork, let's just pretend that today, Hel- Helen. is your genie. Look at Helena. She's a little genius. Also, as we established before.
0: It's an it's a stingy genie because you don't get three wishes; you just get one.
2: Pretty crap genie. I mean, come on. <laughs> so what what are you what are you going to ask Helena? One wish to change anything about the mainstream media? Go.
3: People are allowed to tell their own stories, and that it's not going to get turned into turned into trauma or inspiration. That we're allowed to tell our own stories authentically. And I'm going to add a little caveat onto this, and that when we do tell our stories that uh, the language that is used is authentic language and not outdated language, because there is still a lot of outdated language used around disability in the media. So technically, I just gave myself two
2: wishes there. Yeah, Jeannie, are we going to allow
0: that? I'll <laughs> allow that because they're very intertwined. But actually, I do I do have a question about the language, though, because, you know, you mentioned using disabled people rather than people with disabilities. When MediaStorm, we did our episode in Series 1 about ableism, we had a lot of various feedback about whether people preferred disabled people or people with disabilities. Our guests kind of, you know, saying whatever we don't really mind and we used both but then we got dms saying you know you shouldn't have used uh disabled people you should have used people with disabilities so yeah Yeah, it's a
3: minefield to be honest as (laughs) a whole the disabled community prefers disabled people because we don't we don't need to be reminded that we're people first we know we're people you know like it's 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 not a thing that we need to be reminded a lot of the time it's it's non-disabled people like to go oh well we don't see you as disabled you know it's one of those sort of things but at the same time there are there are different people with different conditions who prefer to use that language. So it's, it's, all, it's always best to ask.
0: Well, Rachel, maybe you can tell us about the f- your favourite story you've ever reported on or curated or edited.
3: My favourite story I've worked on is uh, when I worked on a story for HuffPost about uh, disabled users of TikTok. TikTok approached me be- originally because they had a series I think it was like their top 10 or something and there was disabled people involved in it and I thought oh yeah this is great well done for all your inclusivity TikTok but then I looked into it and I realized it wasn't the top 10 it was a top 100 and there was only there was only four people who were disabled involved in the top 100 and then as I was talking to disabled people I was finding out all these terrible things about TikTok how they were shadow banning disabled people instead of blocking and uh, disabling accounts that were abusing disabled people basically they make it so people can't see your account and they think they thought of it they thought it was a way to protect disabled users instead instead of deleting the accounts of people who were abusing them oh how patronizing and then in some cases when the when the disabled users were standing up and fighting and fighting what uh, TikTok were doing, they were blocking, they were deleting the disabled users' accounts. Victim blaming.
2: <laughs> when you were when you approached TikTok with this uh, story, what did they say in response?
3: I got this guy. I. I don't think his name was Dan, but I want to say his name was Dan because he was such a Dan.
2: Yeah, I can <laughs> I, I can picture him already. Sorry, all the Dans out there, we love you. But
3: I said I'm not available for phone calls. Uh, I was like, it's quite it's quite late. I'm sorry, I'm not available for phone calls. He got in my number somehow. He kept ringing me to give me a statement over the phone, even though like I said, please please send me this statement, and he just kept barraging me with like absolute bullshit saying that like oh these were policies that were put in place to protect the users we're changing the policies and we need to know the uh, the accounts that uh, that had been affected but we can't see this happening to anyone whilst this was happening one of the accounts that I told him about again got deleted it just got worse and worse I'm getting so much aggro when I just want a statement Dan sent me Dan sent me a statement by email really patronizingly And we, we didn't, we ended up using like just a sentence.
2: But that's, that is how you know when you found a story, when, when they call you up on the phone to tell you that you don't have a story, we're changing it, there's no story. But they're like, we're going to call you like 15 times just to tell you that there's no story here. Okay. Like you, did you compute? There is no story here. Nothing we are worried about.
3: They did eventually end up changing some of the policies around, uh, around harassment on tiktok I mean I can't officially take uh take responsibility for that but they did change some of the policies around harassment but Mm. it's it's ridiculous it really is all the while they were bragging about how many unique users they had on tiktok and stuff and I was like yeah it's great you've got all these unique users but
2: but half of them are pricks (laughs) how
3: how many of those how many of those are telling women are telling women to get their tits out and go kill themselves you know
2: well exactly and I think that is a good space for us to take a little break, have a little sip of iced coffee, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe something stronger after that. And we'll be back in just a few seconds.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
0: Welcome back to This Is How You Do It. Well, um, Rachel, in the UK... Uh, we're looking down the barrel of a pretty tumultuous times uh the Conservatives are choosing our fourth prime minister in six years um, and we hilariously managed three education secretaries in as many days um any hot takes <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I
3: just hope that one of them, likes disabled people in some way shape or form and doesn't want us all dead but I cannot see that happening anytime soon. That's a big ask that's a big ask. <laughs>
2: it's a really big
3: ask it really
2: is. Who 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 do you think is who do you think is the least depressing option? Penny Mordant maybe I don't know. Just because just because we we know the least about her so it's the least damaging information about her.
0: For real kind of what what would be the immediate policy that the you think needs implemented in terms of helping disabled people? I know that there are so many in this country, but what would be the immediate one?
3: We need an overhaul of the benefit system. Mm. And we need we need just more. We need more in the benefit system, but we also need... How the benefit system is assessed at the minute, the benefit system is more about proving you're disabled. Benefit assessments should be done by trained professionals, and at the minute, they're not. Who who is doing the benefits assessment? They're basically just just paid assessors. They're um they're not trained doctors who do them. You know, and you don't have to have any sort of knowledge about disability or, or medicine or any sort of illnesses to actually do the the assessments. You're given just a a, a checklist. It's not viable especially for chronic illnesses because you're asked you're asked things like how how far can you walk and how and how many hours can you work and things like that. And yeah, I could do I could I could probably walk quite far on on my good days, but on my worst days, I can barely get out of bed, you know and what what are you asking me to assess here? Mm. And there's just there's just not a good assess there's not a good assessment process because if they see you on a good day, they're gonna write down on the form she looked healthy.
2: Right. Well Penny Morden if you're listening. Yeah, get a sort of penny. You're probably not going to though. Get it sorted. <laughs> Rachel Charlton-Daily, thank you so much for joining us on This Is How You Do It. Where can people follow you and do you have anything to plug? Uh,
3: so I am on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Rachel C. Daily. Please go and follow The Unwritten, which is... Uh, at The Unwritten Pub on Twitter and Instagram and theunwritten.co.uk we are still crowdfunding at The Unwritten the Mirror series is still online if you look for Disabled Britain and The Mirror and I think that's about everything that I've got to plug
0: Lovely listeners, make sure you catch the latest guilty feminist episode on Giving Birth. A hilarious episode featuring Kiri Pritchard McLean, Jessica Foster Q, music from Grace Petrie, and special guest Melody Robinson, who runs all things birth and beyond. And of course, the episode is hosted by Deborah Frances White.
2: And on next week's media storm, we have something a little bit different. We will be airing our exclusive investigation into non-offending paedophile networks, speaking to people who have clinical paedophilia but have never acted on it, and are denied therapy in healthcare that is proven to prevent abuse. That'll be out next Thursday in time for your morning commute. See you then in the uk uh we're
0: looking down the barrel of a pretty tumultuous times uh the conservatives are choosing our fourth prime minister in six years um and we hilariously managed three education secretaries in as many days um any hot takes (laughs) (laughs) oh i just i just hope that one of them
3: likes disabled people in some way shape or form and doesn't want us all dead
2: but I cannot see that happening anytime soon. That's a big ask that's a big ask. <laughs> it's a really big ask it really is. Who 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 do you think is who do you think is the least depressing option? Penny Mordant maybe I don't know. <laughs> just because just because we we know the least about her so it's the least damaging information about her.
0: For real kind of what what would be the immediate policy that the you think needs implemented in terms of helping disabled people? I know that there are so many in this country, but what would be the immediate one?
3: We need an overhaul of the benefit system. Mm. And we need we need just more. We need more in the benefit system, but we also need how the benefit system is assessed. At the minute, the benefit system is more about proving you're disabled benefit assessments should be done by trained professionals and at the minute they're not who who is doing the benefits assessment they're basically just just paid assessors they're um they're not trained doctors who do them you know and you don't have to have any sort of knowledge about disability or or medicine or any sort of illnesses to actually do the the assessments you're given just a a, a checklist it's not viable especially for chronic illnesses because you're asked you're asked things like how how far can you walk and how and how many hours can you work and things like that. And yeah, I could do I could I could probably walk quite far on, on my good days, but on my worst days, I can barely get out of bed, you know? And what what are you asking me to assess here? Mm. And it's just there's just not a good assess there's not a good assessment process because if they see you on a good day, they're gonna write down on the form she looked healthy. Right. Well, Penny Morden, if you're
2: listening. <laughs> yeah, get it sorted, of Penny. You're probably not gonna though. Get it sorted. <laughs> Rachel Charlton-Daily, thank you so much for joining us on This Is How You Do It. Where can people follow you and do you have anything to plug? Uh,
3: so I am on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Rachel C. Daly. Please go and follow The Unwritten, which is... Uh, at the unwritten pub at tw- on twitter and instagram and the we are still crowdfunding at the unwritten the mirror series is still online if you look for disabled britain and the mirror and i think that's about everything that i've
0: got to plug Lovely listeners, make sure you catch the latest guilty feminist episode on Giving Birth. A hilarious episode featuring Kiri Pritchard McLean, Jessica Foster Q, music from Grace Petrie, and special guest Melody Robinson, who runs all things birth and beyond. And of course the episode is hosted by Deborah Frances White.
2: And on next week's media storm, we have something a little bit different. We will be airing our exclusive investigation into non-offending paedophile networks, speaking to people who have clinical paedophilia but have never acted on it, and are denied therapy in healthcare that is proven to prevent abuse. That'll be out next Thursday in time for your morning commute. See you then.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,